Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wealth Conversation podcast with me, Tsitsi Mutiti. I guide high-achieving women on their journey to build lasting wealth so they can prepare for an abundant future in every area of their life. I hope that today's episode will help you to transform your relationship with money so you can make the choices that will enable you to create the opportunities and lasting wealth that you desire. Let's get straight into this week's episode. Two of the most common taboos in societies around the world are talking about money and talking about wills. In the UK, it is estimated that over 50% of adults do not have a will and over 64% of parents do not have a will in place. So I've invited Primrose Chiguri onto the podcast to discuss why wills are important and why you should ensure that you have a will in place. Primrose is an associate at Kimberly Wayne and Diamond Solicitors. She was admitted as a solicitor in England and Wales in March 2014. She is also a speaker and works with organizations that seek to promote and empower women around the world. Welcome, Primrose, to the Wealth Conversation podcast. Hi, Sitsi. Thank you so much for having me on this platform. I'm very happy to be here. I can't wait to go straight into our discussion about wills, which I know for a lot of people is a subject that they do not even want to talk about or hear about because it brings up all sorts of issues and emotions. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So let's start from the beginning, a bit about you. Tell us um, about yourself and your background. Okay, thank you, Sissi, once again. Hi, everyone. My name is Primrose, Primrose Chiguri. I am a solicitor by profession. I have been a lawyer for a long time, a very long time. I'm not going to tell you for how long, otherwise you start guessing my age. (laughs) But yeah, I've been a lawyer for a long time. I live in Kent with my husband, Ronald, but I work for a firm in London, um, in Woolwich. Uh, You will have my details at the end of this. But I'm really passionate about... Um, educating people on their rights and um, just raising general awareness on legal issues that have a huge impact on people's day-to-day lives. And so that's why I am here. Um, On a personal level, I'm not just about the law. I do love to have a bit of fun. I love to spend time with my family. And uh, one thing that I'm passionate about as well is hiking. I do love hiking and I've just come back from um, an awesome trip in the French Alps. It was just amazing and I wish I'd stayed there for a long time. But that's what I like to do in my spare time. Wow, I had no idea you were a hiking enthusiast, Primrose. I am. I am. You learn something every day, don't you? Now you know. So if you need to come along one day, just let me know. I'll be happy to organize. I will take you up on that, definitely. (laughs) Especially if we're going to places like the French Alps. (laughs) Oh, yes. Anytime I can go there. Honestly, it's just beautiful out there. I'm sure it is. So Primrose, how did you end up becoming a lawyer? Okay, so this journey actually started when I was very young. I think I was about nine, nine. So I was exposed to the law at a very young age. Um, It wasn't the best of scenarios, actually. It was a really stressful time for my family and I. 
my parents were going through a divorce and um, for some reason I just uh, used to go to court with my mom and I used to go to lawyers offices with her and I'll sit there and observe and listen. I'm not quite sure why I was dragged to the meetings <laughs> but um, my curiosity started then. I could see she was struggling, right? She was really, really struggling with the whole um, case and she needed help and she was going to different lawyers trying to get help with this, trying to get help with that. Uh, she had problems with maintenance. She had, there were so many things that were going on at the time. And so I realized that um, a lot of people out there don't really know how the law works and that people do need to be educated on legal issues that affect their lives. Um, so from then, I just wanted to be a lawyer and help people and just raise awareness. So this is where it started. I remember my first encounter with the law, similar to you, it wasn't a very kind of happy experience. And it was actually after my mother had passed away. And I would go to see the lawyers with my aunt, who was kind of nominated as the guardian for me and my sisters. And it was really, you know, yeah, it, it was difficult. It was, and yeah, you're just thrust into this world of all this different language, people who seem to be telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you're not sure if they, it's for your best interest. And, you know, and they mm -hmm. put forward all these scenarios and it's like, you know, which one Very do I choose? Overwhelming, yes. It is overwhelming, so overwhelming. So, um, yeah, but unlike you, I didn't think, oh, I want to become a lawyer. <laughs> so I guess it was just meant to be for me. <laughs> exactly. That was your path, definitely. Yes. Um, so in this episode, we are focusing specifically on the importance of wills. And actually, um, after sharing my, my experience with lawyers, it was because of a will that I ended up sitting in front of lawyers with my aunt because my mother had done a will. Could you share with us why it is important that people start thinking about making a will? Thank you, Sissi. Like you said earlier, this is a really uncomfortable topic for a lot of people out there. And it is really important to think about it. And the way to look at it sometimes is just to look at it as though you're planning for something, just like you would plan to go on holiday, you know, just take it as if it's just something that is normal because people tend to think, well, if I, stop, if I start talking about a will, it means I'm going to die, but that, that, that's not what it means. You're just preparing for your future and you don't have to take it that way, that it's reminding you about your death because you do need to protect the people that you love and this is what it's all about it's about planning for the future it's about protecting the people that you love because if you don't do that it is the law which then determines what happens to your estate or what happens to your possessions when you are gone and sometimes when the law takes over what happens is that it's not your wishes that would be implemented the law would determine who gets what 
yeah that's because if you pass on without a will it is the law that determines who benefits from your estate it doesn't actually matter how your life was like before your passing the law is not concerned with that so if you were not in touch with certain relatives and yet the law says they are at the top of the list of the statutory list of inheritance they're the ones who will get the um the estate to the exclusion of people who might be at the bottom of the statutory order of inheritance who might actually be the people that you were looking after before you passed on so it's very very important to see to realize that the way the law works is not necessarily what you would wish for upon your death so it's important to think about these things because otherwise you're leaving the people that are dear to you or the people who are in your life at the time of your death or people who are dependent on you at the time of your death really vulnerable. So it's important to think about this. And for some people, it might also be important to start planning about things like that because you can then save on inheritance tax as well if you start thinking and planning about what will happen in the future. Yeah. So that's just one of the reasons why people would um, consider estate planning, so which can be done through wills. And wills are not just the only way to do estate, estate planning. Uh, there are different other forms of legal arrangements that you can use apart from wills. But I think um, in this podcast, we're just going to focus on wills. And the primary reason for doing a will is to provide for beneficiaries who would not be catered for under inheritance laws should you pass on. Yeah, your preferred beneficiaries might not be given priority under inheritance laws. And this is what people do need to realize. I just want to give an example on that, you know, because I've said it, I've said it here that your beneficiaries might not be catered for under the inheritance laws. And I just think maybe it will help some people understand if I give an example on that. I had a scenario where um, a man died at the time when he died, he had been suffering from cancer. He was married, he was not divorced. He had been separated from his wife for five years before he died. At the time of his death, the people who were very close to him were his siblings, that's uh, his sisters here. Uh, the wife was not in contact. Uh, they didn't even know where the wife was because she didn't want to have anything to do with him. He had worked for years in the NHS. He had a pension there. Um, he had also some money, some savings. But when he was ill, it was his sisters who were taking care of him. They were the ones who were the next of kin with the NHS as well. They were the ones who were dealing with the doctor. But when he died, um, and the sisters wanted to now deal with the estate in order to uh, pay for his debts and close his estate. Uh, the wife managed to come. Yeah, she just surfaced from Norway and she was able to obtain a death certificate. And then she used that to go to the different bodies to collect what was available there. So by the time the siblings came to me to say, this is wrong, this is not right. It shouldn't go to her because she was not in his life. She refused to have anything to do with him when he was alive. Why should she get anything? Uh, but I said to them, actually what she has done is in accordance with the law because 
they were not divorced. Yes, they were separated for five years ago and they didn't have anything to do each other, with each other during the five years. But because they were married, she's at the top of the statutory order of inheritance. Now they wanted to pursue the matter, uh, go through the course to stop her from taking the estate. But you know, because the law was not on their side, I had to advise them and to be very honest with them that they could go through the process and just lose it because there was no legal basis for their challenge because what she, has, what she had done was in accordance with the inheritance laws. So we had to close the file at that, at that point because they realized that there probably wasn't any point in fighting a case which they were bound to lose. So this is what can happen if people don't plan or people don't have wills. Wow. Thank you for that example. It really puts things into context. I know uh, I've come across a lot of scenarios in the Zimbabwean community where when someone dies, it causes all sorts of friction for, you know, whether it's a, someone with a lot of wealth or a little bit of wealth, because every individual who was close to that person thinks they know what the final wishes for that individual was. And, you know, I've seen cases where families have literally been ripped apart just because of that simple thing that one person didn't put their wishes down. So it's this is also why I thought it's really important to talk about this and bring you on so we can talk about these things because a lot of people think about it in terms of the monetary side, but there's also the relationships as well. It is the relationships, isn't it, that, that get you know torn apart in the process. Like you're rightly saying, you've encountered families in the community that have started fighting each other. And it's sad to say that is a very common scenario. I just gave you one example of a man who was married and then the siblings couldn't get anything. But there are cases where you find that maybe the siblings are fighting each other and that, that has a knock-on effect on on their relationships as well so these are things that people can easily avoid by just planning because it does tear families apart literally it does tear families apart where there is no will and everybody's trying to fight so that they can get something from uh, the estate of the person that they loved because they feel well I need to have something from that estate because that person was also very dear to me why should it be that person taking everything to the exclusion of people who are in his life at the time of his death so, you know, it's not just about money. It's not just about uh, living this chaotic scenery where people are fighting each other and dragging each other through the courts, because it is also an expensive uh, process to go through. But it's also about preserving people's relationships and protecting vulnerable people. Uh, where children are concerned, they are particularly vulnerable. Yeah. If the parents pass on without a will, what happens? Who's going to take care of the children? Because a will is that opportunity where a person gets to express their wishes and they put things in place they nominate um, the guardian who will take over and look after children if, if they are under the age of 18 they put in place arrangements to make sure those children are provided for another angle for me because i deal with investments and people's money is about trying to preserve you, the money trying to keep it together because it's actually more beneficial for the people you leave behind, if your your wealth remains intact in, in more cases than not, because you can actually do more with a larger lump sum than if it's split, split apart. So 
having these conversations early on and planning, as you say, preparing for the future is, I think, part of the whole building wealth and and thinking about the future and passing on to the next generation. But also, as you say, thinking about the the things that we don't expect to happen. Okay, if the unexpected does happen, what's going to happen to my children who are under the age of 18? Or even if they are over the age of 18, what do I want to um, to leave behind for them? And how do I want them to access it? Absolutely. You know, um, I just want to give you another example because we just started talking about children. You know, we, people do need to think about their, their children in the future. Uh, the, the children's future as well, because sometimes when relatives come over and they assume responsibility and there isn't a document which sets out what should happen with the wealth, is the children who are left without anything because people can come and sell the property and that leaves the children vulnerable. And not just that, adult children can suffer as well. There was a case I came across where um, a woman who had adult children got married, yeah, the children were already about the age of 18, they were working, um, and the mother got married, and when she got married, um, she, um, was, she was suffering from cancer at the time of her marriage, she then died, and uh, there was no will, and according to the statutory order of inheritance, the husband was entitled to receive the estate, yeah, because it wasn't above 290,000. So he was entitled to take all of it to the exclusion of the adult children. And this was very unfair for the children. Yes, they were over the age of 18, but they were still young enough and expecting that they could get something as well, which would help them in their own lives as they cover out their own lives without their mother but they were not covered under that situation. So your children might be over the age of 18 as well, but you need to also think about what would happen in the event that you are not there and you remarry, the children can be excluded depending on the size of the estate. So it's important to take advice and find out all the options that are available. Because like I said, there's so many things that people can do to protect children, whether it's minor children, or it's adult children. There are many legal arrangements that you can consider apart from wills. It makes me think of my situation where I've I've recently married, I've got a child who is, you know, I'm not married to her father. And that conversation about what happens to, uh, to my wealth if I pass on, because for many, many years, whilst it's just been me and my daughter, I have been thinking that I'm building the wealth to pass on to her. And I suspect that there are a lot of people around the world who, when they're working hard, they're thinking mainly about the children um, and then also about their current lifestyle. And you just assume that when I pass away, my children will, will be okay. My wealth will pass on to them. And actually that's not the case. So I'll just talk about that statutory order of inheritance, okay? So under the laws, we're talking about the law of the laws of England and Wales, okay? This is for those of us who are domiciled here or who are habitually resident in the United Kingdom and their estate would be here or their assets are based here. I'm not talking about any other jurisdiction. So if you are in a different jurisdiction, if you are in Scotland, there are different rules and I'm not familiar with the laws of Scotland or Ireland. So you would need to get independent advice on that. If you are in Zimbabwe, again, it's the same. You need to consult a lawyer there. I'm just talking here about 
those who are in England and Wales. So under the, the, the laws of England and Wales, with the statutory order of inheritance, you've got the spouse right at the top. So the spouse gets given priority. And then under the spouse, the second person is children. And then you've got parents, they, they, they come third. And then you've got brothers and sisters of the full blood. And then you've got brothers and sisters of the, of the half blood as well. And then you've got aunts and uncles. So you can see what would happen where you do not have, for instance, a spouse who is at the top of the list, or you do not have children who is, at the, who is the second, uh, because children are second, um, but you have siblings, you might have a parent, let's say you have a father, but you are estranged from the father. According to the statutory order of inheritance, if you don't have a spouse, if you don't have children, uh, but you have a father who is somewhere and you don't even know where, uh, you're not in touch with him, he doesn't have anything to do with you, and you have siblings, the person with the right to inherit in that scenario would be the father who is not in your life to the exclusion of your siblings who are actually people who are in your life. These are the laws of England and Wales, just because parents are above siblings. So you can see that there would be unintended consequences for somebody who's, who doesn't have a relationship with their father, wow. but they have a relationship with their sibling. They don't have a spouse, they don't have a child, but because the father, comes third in the statutory order of inheritance. The father is the one who has priority. So if the father were to come forward and say, well, yeah, I'm entitled to inherit, you'd have to take them to court, but good luck with that. So you can see that sometimes there are unintended consequences. So people just need to have an appreciation of the laws of the land and how they have an impact on you and your loved ones. You've really raised an important point there because you and I grew up in Zimbabwe. We're living in, in the UK. When you die, it depends where you pass away. And that's the, you know, as you're saying, the law of the land that will determine who, you, who inherits your wealth. So it is important that people understand at least the basics of what could happen in the worst case scenario. And also, when would you say we should start actually putting, setting the wheels in motion? to put a will in place? Okay, it will depend on a person's circumstances, obviously. So you can't really say, well, at the age of 25, you should have a will in place. It's not like that. It's everyone's circumstances are different, right? So people have to assess their circumstances. But I would think that anyone who's of working age, if you are working or if you have anything that you hold dear uh, in your life, uh, I don't know if it might be a watch or something that is very important to you that has sentimental value, you can just do a simple will to say, this is what I want uh, uh, done with my watch or with my, uh, my, 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 my painting or whatever it is that is dear to you. So everyone's circumstances are different. For those who are married, you do need to have a will in place. For those who have children, it's very, very, very important. I can't overemphasize this. It's crucial to have a will when you have children because 
in it, you can appoint legal guardians of your choice who will then take over the affairs for the children and become responsible for the children because you know the people in your life. You know their characters. You know what they are like, whether they can be trusted with such a huge responsibility because if you don't, it is the court which will appoint the legal guardians for your children. And it might be people that you wouldn't personally approve of, or it might be even people who are out for themselves, you know, and people that you might consider not suitable. So you leave that crucial uh, responsibility to the courts to do that for you. So if you have children, I would say it's important. If you are of working age, you need to start thinking about it because sometimes what happens is that even when people are single, they are doing things, they have uh, bought their, their property, they've purchased their property. What will happen to you in the event of you uh, passing on? Who will take on that, pro that property? You need to think about that. It might not just be about property. That's what we need to remember. Wheels are not just there for the big things like the houses. Um, it can be for anything. It can be shares that you bought. It might be savings that you have in an account. It might be your pension. Yeah, it might be, you know, things that you are doing and you're thinking, well, I've got this business. Who should take over from me? Who would you want to give the business to? Because who knows what will happen five years down the line? The business might just take off just like that. You know, so when you're doing a will, you're not focusing on your circumstances, your current circumstances, it's looking ahead and planning ahead. So you're thinking, okay, I've got this business that I've started. In five years time, it might have taken off. We've seen what has happened to companies like Amazon, all these tech companies or small businesses that have really taken off during COVID. And most people were caught unaware because they're not planned that their businesses would take off at that rate, but things happened. And so you need to think about that. It's not just thinking about your current circumstances. If you think, oh, well, I've only just started this business, but it's you're, you're planning. And once you're planned for the future, you can relax and not worry about it because we all know that life is busy. Life is so busy. So these are some of the things that you need to tick off of your list and just say done and you file it away, you forget about it. Then get busy with your business and do well and accumulate wealth and do all the other things. But at least you have planned for the future. You don't need to be worried about what will happen to the business because sometimes when we do things, it's about the legacy that you are leaving behind. You've worked so hard to get to where you are. Do you want that to just be destroyed because you didn't make arrangements for its continuity after you pass on? So it's, it depends on everybody's circumstances, but it's not just for those who have accumulated wealth, not at all. You've made such really good points. And I think for me, the message is just get your will done as soon as possible because it allows you to relax and really concentrate on building that wealth or building your family or whatever it is, or collecting those watches that you want, because you know that if something unexpected were to happen to you, um, or if basically if you passed away, there's a plan in place on who will get those assets or how they're going to be split up or who's going to look after your children. How much does it cost to set up a will? Okay, so again, it depends on your circumstances. Yeah, it really depends on your circumstances. I would say the standard, the standard would be about 150, 
But to be honest, it all depends on a person's circumstances, yeah. So for something which is very simple and very straightforward, where somebody is not dealing with valuable, very valuable assets, you could be looking at that, yeah. Uh, but where people have assets, important assets, and certain arrangements have to be made, the costs can just vary, and it's difficult to put a price on it because everybody's circumstances differ. So my advice would be, if you're thinking about doing it, um, get advice first from a professional, yeah, a qualified professional. Get advice first. Don't just say, well, I just want to pay for the will. No, 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 that's not how it works. Sometimes it's better to pay to avoid the cost that would come later. Just seek advice first, sit down with a professional, go over your circumstances with them, go over your assets, go over your wishes and what you want done should you not be there. And then they will advise you on the best way of dealing with things because there are different types of wills that people uh, um, uh, make. So it will be important to sit down with the lawyer who will then tell you, okay, so this is what we need to do for your will. You need a trust, you need this, you need this, you need this. And they will see how best to do the will for you. So it's important to get advice first, speak to somebody. Yeah, and I think the advice will also help reduce the amount of time it takes to draw everything up and make decisions because you've been given direction. And what I think lawyers and advisors do is they, they are able to see the full picture. I think as individuals, we're very focused on what we want and we tend to forget certain things. And I think um, having gone through a process of trying to put a will together, you really have to think about everything from the present, the past, the future, who yes. is in your life. <laughs> Everything is up for discussion, isn't exactly it? Exactly, everything. Through the process, and that's the way it should be. You know, in some things you won't have even thought about it. So when you sit down with somebody, they will make you think about everything that you need to think about so that all angles are covered. And the, the beauty about that is, I think for a lot of people, it takes the worry away because the one thing we worry about is, oh, what if this happens? But when you sit down with a lawyer, they will ask you all, they literally pick every single angle and come up with all the different scenarios. So you then answer those questions. But also, I think another important thing is it opens up conversations and gives people the confidence to start talking to people about you know, these things that might happen and getting people ready for that eventuality if it ever does. So I really encourage people to start, if you ha don't have one, um, think about seeking some advice on how to set up your will. That's right. I've heard, Primrose, that you should review your will every five years. Is, is that true? And if so, why? When your assets change, yeah, or when you sell your house, you need to revisit it because sometimes it wills. What a lot of people will say, they'll say, well, I'm going to leave my home, which is number blah, 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 to so and so, yeah? So if you sell that property and then buy another one, because we've seen in this COVID environment that a lot of people are selling their houses, those who live in cities and moving out of the cities to get more space. But if you had a will which specified the address of the house you are leaving to so and so, 
store and then you buy another house, the gift fails. It doesn't mean that because you purchased another house, that's the house they're going to get. No, because you were specific about the house that should be given to so-and-so. But because that house which you have described in the will is not there anymore, the gift fails. So the person that you wanted to give a house to is left with nothing. So when assets change, do look at your will and seek advice. When your personal circumstances change, seek advice and amend your will as well. So ne not necessarily five years, because five years for some people is a long time. And during that time, their business might have changed. Their living arrangements might have changed. You know, uh, some children might have grown older and they're thinking, okay, fine, this one has grown older. Maybe I need to take them out of the wheel because they're doing so well. They've got this and that and that. So I can focus on those that actually need my assistance. That's how I would approach it. It makes so much sense. My first will I did when uh, I was single and I didn't realize that <laughs> when you get married, you should update the will. But you've explained all the reasons why. What would you say to anyone who's listening to this podcast and is saying to themselves, well, I'll just tell my family my wishes now um, and I won't bother with the will because I trust I trust uh, my brother, I trust my sister. Um, if I all tell them all the same thing, then my wishes will be fulfilled because it's just too, too difficult, this whole will stuff. And actually, what's the point? Well, uh, firstly, there are so many reasons why not to, to, to do that, uh, but I'll just say this. Uh, when you don't have a will and you tell people, and you just say, well, if I pass on, this is what you must do. That is not legally binding. Okay, it's not legally binding. It's not recognized by law. It's not recognized. So what it means is actually you have died intestate. We say intestate, meaning died without a will. So once you've died intestate, the, in, the statutory inheritance laws kick in just like that because you have died intestate. What you told your relatives uh, is not valid. Yeah, it's just as if you, you, you didn't have a will. And so the law kicks in and this is where the law is really unfair because it doesn't recognize your wishes. It doesn't implement your wishes because it's disregarding everything else because there is no valid will. And this is what people need to realize. It's not enough to just rely on people's goodwill and say, because I trust them, they will do this. You've got to document it and have the legal document to back it up. Because if people breach what you have put in that document, the law will hold them to account. But if it's just a word of mouth under the law, it is nothing. It means nothing. The law takes over. And the second thing I would say as well, where people are saying, well, I will tell my brother, I will tell uh, him that do this. You don't know with life, you see, because the thing is, the people you are relying on uh, to implement your wishes, they might die before you, okay? They might die before you, and then what happens after? There's nobody to say, well, she did tell me this is what she wanted. But again, the trouble with that, even if they were alive, that is no force of law whatsoever. It is the law which then kicks in and you do what the law says you should do. And under the statutory order of inheritance, certain people are not even catered for. So you find that unmarried partners, those who are living with their partners and they are not actually married, the law doesn't cater for them in that kind of situation. 
So if you're, you, you buy a property with your unmarried partner and you've lived together for a while, you've lived together for four years, you've bought a house together and you say to, to your partner, oh, honey, this is what I need you to do with my money in my account. You can take it and do whatever you need to do with it. Well, sorry, under the statutory order of inheritance, unmarried partners don't appear. So he has no right. So then again, we go to the statutory order of inheritance. Who inherits under the law? Okay, so we just all need to make sure we've got wills. <laughs> Whilst you were talking about, you know, if you tell a, a brother or sister, you know, they might die before you. The other thing to think about is um, as we are living longer, we are, you know, the cases of dementia and Alzheimer's are increasing. And that person who you told might not even be able to recall what you've That's said it. to them mm -hmm. because of ill health. So it's just really making sure that you've covered all bases. And yes, I think what you've told people comes in, you know, as an addition to the will. Yes, it might not hold water, but it, it's it's when those conversations are being had with people who may not understand why you've put these wishes in your will. Okay. I know we've just touched the tip of the iceberg with all yes. the knowledge you have. Yes, we need more time to get into this. Definitely, <laughs> there's so many angles. I mean, you, you touched on one area that, um, you know, I think affects a lot of people and this, cohabit this cohabitating where you're living with someone who's not married, you're not married, um, and you build a life together. And I think that's a really important scenario that we could maybe talk about in the future. Like what are the rights of each person? What are the legal things you should consider putting in place to protect yourself, but also to protect each other um, and to make sure that if, if you do pass on, the other person does get something if that's your wish. But for now, I just want to say thank you and also ask you if you could share with us in a few words what wealth means to you in the following areas of your life. And that's um, physical, mental, spiritual, social and financial well-being. That's an interesting question. Very interesting, because when people talk about wealth, the thing that people think about uh, the most is the tangible world, things like money, things like houses, cars, blah, blah, blah. But for me, wealth covers a lot more than that. It covers my family. Family is very important. And so for me, that is wealth. Yeah, the relationships that I have. And I do care for my family very, very much. I do love my family and I treasure them. And I'm so grateful for them. And I try as much as I can to be there for them. So for me, that is real wealth that you cannot measure in terms of money. They are worth far much more than money. Yeah, no millions can replace my family. So for me, being wealthy means having family that loves you, having family in your life, taking care of them, being there for them, and just doing life with them. And this is this goes back to what we said earlier, um, that you know it's about relationships, preserving those relationships. So if you have family and you're passionate about your family and you love them, then you have a duty, maybe not legal, but moral duty 
to think about what happens on the other side of life if you are no longer on this earth and you care about them how are you going to be able to protect them and wealth planning is how you can actually um care for your family when you're not there because they are your wealth for me my family is my wealth because they are there for me when i need them they are the people that i live life with and they're definitely worth going the extra mile for and so that would cover everything because they're there for me so in terms of mental well-being my family are important because they they are there to support me no matter what is happening in my life i know i can always go to them and talk to them and if things are not working they can help me to just get back up on my feet even physical well-being my family has been there for me when i'm not well they take care of me you know and when they're not well i take care of them as well so when you look at family they just cover everything really whether it's spiritual social financial and you know things like money they're right at the bottom for me but my family and taking care of them for me that that, that is right up there that is my wealth and then you look at the other things in life as well uh, but family definitely that is my wealth and then thinking about what you are doing as well preserving it yeah because with life you grow as you grow your assets increase and you do things and so as you do things it's thinking about okay this wealth things that i'm doing how do i preserve it how do i protect this legacy um, how do I go about making sure that it can be a going concern? How can I make sure that it will benefit others? And this, this is me. That's, that's my world. That's how I look at it. Oh, I love that answer, Primrose. I, I couldn't agree more. Family is, is so important and we must treasure them, um, you know, for as long as we are on this earth. Thank you so much, Primrose. I, I cannot thank you enough. I know whoever's listening has got a lot of useful advice that they can use going forward. How can listeners get in touch with you if they want to uh, work with you? Okay, so um, they can contact me via email. I am on Instagram, Facebook. So for those who use social media, you can look for me on social media. I am there. You can just send a, um, you can just inbox me on Facebook Messenger if you have a query and I can try and answer it. Um, I'm also on Instagram, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is really good uh, for connecting with professionals. So if you need professional assistance, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I can respond. I've also got my work um, email address which is pichiguri at kwdsolicitors.co.uk. Brilliant. Thank you. I will definitely put your email address um, in the show notes and your LinkedIn profile as well so people can connect with you. Thank you so much, Primrose, again. I, <laughs> I am so, so glad that you used your experience um, when you were quite young going to those solicitors' offices, you use that experience to um, become an advocate for people and to accumulate all this knowledge that you're now sharing with us. Um, I have worked with you and I know that you are so thorough. You made me think a lot. 
about the different options things I, I have to be thorough you know sometimes you can be a bit full-on but yes you have to go there you have to be prepared to go there and talk about everything exactly exactly <laughs> but it gave me the confidence to know that you know I can continue doing doing what I do because the the plans for the future are now in place That's um yeah it yeah exactly to enjoy life because you've dealt with the not so comfortable stuff so you're free to enjoy life without any worry any stress about the future you know because we do know that um you need to plan for the future so once you've done that you just go ahead and live your life Job exactly one one hundred percent I know I'm going to be asked to bring you back and have another conversation. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we just just touched this topic just on the surface, to be honest. We would need a lot more time to deal with what would happen in this scenario and that scenario. So I would be very happy to come back anytime. Fantastic. I will hold you to that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Connect with me at The Wealth Conversation on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the discussion. Also, if you're ready to define what wealth truly means to you, then go to thewealthconversation.com and download the Wealth Cornerstones Guide. Until next week, stay focused on becoming the designer of your financial future.